Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we look at the stories, situations, and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. And this week, uh, we are moving into the book of the Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, as it's sometimes called, uh, where we went through the conclusion of the Gospel of Mark last week. And so here we are, Acts chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him going into heaven. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. So what are some of the things that that stand out to that in you or maybe connections back to where we left off with Mark? Um, Leaving off with Mark, I always forget the last word, because, is that the word? Is that was it? Yeah, so the... Uh, the direct translation is something to the effect of, and they left, this being the women who came to the tomb, they left and told no one. They were afraid because, that's the last word, for, for is another. They were afraid for. Obviously, a lot of fear in uh, wondering what in the world is going to go on now at this point. I think one of the interesting things that struck me was days Jesus hung around and gave them convincing proofs that he was truly alive. What What is a convincing proof? Some of it was eating with them, obviously. Being together with them sounded like he talked to them a lot about the kingdom of God, gave them more information about now, you know, what is the convincing proof that, that we have? I remember last summer reading these portions of A Case for Christ. Now, in that book, I think it's, is at least Strobel? Yeah. It brings out um, what he deems as some, that Christ didn't rise again, and how uh, crazy it would be to to think that, that 
didn't rise again. If the disciples stole his body, for instance, it's like, well, where's what's your faith in? Because their faith is based on the resurrection. If the disciples took it, what good is that? If the Jews took it or the, the religious leaders took it, they would certainly show it off and say, look, he's dead. He didn't rise again. He's dead. He's gone. <laughs> the Romans had it. He's dead. He's gone. So if anybody had the, bi the body, um, this wouldn't happen. And it's just convincing proof. Yeah, you've kind of got to, so to go back to the end of Mark's gospel, it's interesting there that all that those who would have been hearing the gospel of Mark initially would have had as proof or confidence or assurance were Christ's words. You know, there's no one recorded at the end of Mark's gospel saying, I've uh, saw him or that we don't get any account of Jesus physically appearing to the people. So all we've got for proof, if you will, is um, God's word and God's promise. That's very much a theme across Mark's gospel. If we're looking at Luke's gospel, uh, and I bring that up because the way that this book of Acts starts, the way that the book of Luke starts is the same way to written to this Theophilus, or that's a, a fancy word for um, lover of God. Um, and so both letters start off the same. The connections there, the connections to the end of Luke's Gospels, you've got a an audience of people who see people see Jesus rather, uh, not just the disciples, but by the time he ascends, there's a large group of people there that have witnessed that, and so um, have actually seen the physical body and seen these many things that Jesus has done, uh, including tying his story to many of the Old Testament stories to the rest of the Gospels. So there's kind of some of the proofs, too. I, I want to say, without going back and reading the end of Luke's Gospel, that that's where on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appears and is revealing all the scripture and his presence throughout it to um, those who are on, that, on their way to Emmaus there. So that's perhaps some of the proof that's being spoken of here at the start of the book of Acts. Makes sense. And that that was some of the, the discussion or training that those disciples had at that point. The other thing that was coming up when you're talking about proofs and that made me think of the Alpha course that we've done here before at First Lutheran, and it's, it's a course that's offered around the world, but that works at it from bit of the same way that Lee Strobel does, but also does so in the context of a congregation and offers small groups too to ask those questions. But the Alpha course goes about um, from a historical perspective, like here's all the reasons that you can trust what scripture says is true. And here's the evidence for um, the resurrection and um, detailing out how there's record outside of the Bible too of this man named Jesus. So there's, there's a lot of proof out there, which is interesting because the text starts on that, but finally it's, it's pointing to the Holy Spirit that you see at work in the rest of the book of Acts as the one who brings this power. And I would say included in that power, the, uh, the gift of faith. So you can have all the information in front of you and still say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think about that. Um, but it's the work of the Spirit that moves people to faith or brings them to faith. And, I mean, as you're saying, like, yeah, I can see all this stuff going on, but, you know, I still don't really believe that that it's real. And, and that's how, in some ways, I see some people with the coronavirus. You know, it's like, yeah, people are talking about it. It's not any more big a deal than flu or, you know, 
whatever. And um, to some degree, it's taking what you see and say, yep, I kind of believe that this is bad. Or <laughs> the other way, and you go, well, no, I, I don't really believe this is bad. I, I think it's, you know, not a big deal. Um, and you have people on both sides going, well, how can you believe that? That's crazy. Mm, yeah. There, that we are essentially living out in the world today. Yeah, and I, what I'm thinking about as you're talking about that is a lot of that depends on your experience of this talked about virus. So you've got all these facts out there and whatnot, but your experience of it, or your perhaps your past experience of being sick or dealing with health issues of one variety or another, influences how you experience this news about the coronavirus. And similarly, same, same thing to a degree with all this news about Jesus. You can hear it all, but without some kind of experience or encounter of Christ or, I mean, this is kind of the interesting piece. We're living in the time of Acts. We're living in the time of the Holy Spirit at work in the world. And so without some kind of experience of the Holy Spirit, um, it's still going to just be a bunch of information to us. Which, which is interesting because you, depending on, what information you had early on, I think has set your tone or your vision for where this is going and how you understand it. So once again, as people have their own bias or uh, prejudices in terms of the world around them with Jesus, they can either see him or they can't see him. Uh, and in a part, it's, it's the Holy Spirit changing their vision, allowing them to be able to go, wow, I see this. I can truly understand that. It's not something inside them that's going to change, but it's the Holy Spirit working in them, allowing them to understand that they can see that this Jesus is for them, that there is this connection that's, that is making sense once the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them. Yeah, the other thing I'm thinking about in the book of Acts, again, very much focused on the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many, it's it's verb language action that's that's tied to the Holy Spirit or something happening there. And so again, we can we look at the facts of things. And I it seems like at best facts don't change a person's mind. At, at best they can maybe open them up to saying, maybe things aren't really exactly how I thought they were. But I don't think a person shifts or converts whatever language you want to do to another position without being moved uh, or having an experience or an emotion. And that's that's the something that you see happening again and again across this book of Acts is people being moved by the Holy Spirit or through these experiences. And a lot of times those experiences happen through the work that the Spirit is doing through other people. You know, so that's right what you get in this opening story here from Acts, that the same spirit that Christ had is now going to be at work uh, in these disciples and in the many people that it continues to spread through um, through there, too. And I think that's something, too, that, that we see a lot of going on in our communities. Yeah, I, there's terrible stuff going on with this virus, but there's also um, this power that's talked about here is definitely at work in our present day too, in the way that people are looking out for their neighbors and being moved into perhaps uncomfortable situations, but 
doing that or being willing to do that out of love and care and concern for their neighbor being moved um, in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have chose to otherwise. Actually, um, acting, you know, and that's, that's the thing that uh, you have the two angels that show up or the two men in white again, that show up with a message and basically their message is why are you staring at the sky? <laughs> what are you there for, you know, um, there's stuff to do. Go out and, and do this. Uh, this staring at the sky is not, not going to do any good. And so often when uh, we are faced with fear uh, and, and misunderstanding or not understanding, not being able to comprehend something, we either freeze, we either run, or we fight it. And to me, the disciples have frozen. They're just staring at the sky going, are you kidding me? He's gone again. You know, <laughs> yeah. He died, buried in the tomb. Then we had him back. Now he's gone again. Now what are we going to do? Stand here and wait for him to come back. Say, no, you got work to do. Yeah. And we're not quite yet to the Pentecost story in the book of Acts, but at the same time, we're, we're already living in it here and now. And it's, I kind of want to say like the, the message here is okay. Tag, you're it. <laughs> now I'm now I'm going to be working through you. Um, or the other thing that came to mind that as you were talking about that is that faith is tied to there. It's an active faith. There's some. There's a movement that's in it, uh, and our faith causes us to act. It works upon us, but works through us too. I guess that's kind of a lofty thinking might help to have an example there but i guess i think of i'll go back to the example again of people acting out of kindness or or upon their neighbor for the sake of their neighbor and there's something about that that's almost contagious you might say it's people do things because loving kindness has been done to them or that can be an outcome of it is like wow my neighbor did that for me and I want to do that for somebody else. I want somebody else to have this experience that I've had. I think once, once we start moving, then opportunities open up. If we're, if we're stuck in fear, just standing there doing nothing, uh, I think that our opportunities are limited. But once we start moving and interacting with people and doing something, something's going to then bump us or move us or push us into a different direction. I think about the Holy Spirit as being in that the, uh, the word is ruach and in uh, Greek it's pneuma. Both of those are that idea of breath and, and air coming out of your mouth. And it's in that speaking for me that I believe that the Holy Spirit as a means to work. If we were just to stand here and look at each other and not speak, <laughs> the amount that we can understand is going to be very limited. Yeah. Uh, especially on an audio broadcast, people aren't going to get anything out of it. Yeah. But we allow the, the ruach, the wind, uh, the pneuma, the, the air to move through our vocal cords, then our ideas are able to come out and uh, be into the world. Once they get into the world, they're able to do something. And the Holy Spirit is able to take that that wind and provide movement to move other people. So 
we're just standing, staring up in the sky, not saying anything. Uh, we're not doing what we need to be doing. <laughs> That's an interesting point. I hadn't, hadn't thought of that. I mean, and this a lot of this ties back to, so the fear and being frozen thing for me ties back to our mission state, statement of gathering to know Jesus, serving to make a difference, like doing those uncomfortable or going out in those difficult situations is inevitably going to put us in a situation where we're afraid and we need to hear again that word from God of, I've got you, I'm going to take care of you. That, that sets us free to go out and do that again. Um, the other thing I was thinking of too, in a time where we're so bound to our homes, it can feel like, what can I do? Because I can't, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything. But precisely what you're saying about breath and word and I'm just thinking of the importance of people hearing your voice at this time for, for you to pick up the phone and call family and friends and other people and for you to listen to them so that exchange or that experience that happens in communication can be such a powerful thing. And among your, your words and your listening to speak those words of God's promises, again, to go back to uh, what we've got to hold on to, um, Christ's words, you know, to, and to continue to share those is uh, powerful and causes an effect on people too and hearing that whatever comes your way hell or high water god has got you in his hand that christ has died for you to overcome whatever would come between you and him question for people would be the time where you felt like you really wanted to be frozen not do anything and not say anything, but you actually did do something, you moved. And that movement created for God to uh, bring something into your life, to be a blessing to somebody else. The question I would have goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Who is someone that you can think of right now that you haven't called and talked to in a while? Or maybe it's somebody that you haven't talked to in years, but they've, they've been on your mind that you could take some time now to, or after this podcast, to get on the phone and just check in and say, hi, how you doing? And uh, to see if they could hear some good news, or maybe they, maybe you don't know, maybe God's got some good news to share with you through them, or for them to let you know what's going on in their life. In this time that we've been restricted in our our contact with other people, what's a way that you've seen God at work through other people, uh, whether it's your own family members or a neighbor, or maybe somebody that you don't know, um, but what's a way that you've seen the power of God at work through somebody else? Or the you think about Christ's life of being a servant leader, who's someone that you've seen serving others in your life and in your community? 